Let's give it up for Andy Squires. Woo! Come on. Yeah, you, you have to give it up for yourself, Robin. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Everyone doing well? If you're not doing well, you'll be doing well by the end of this message. And this is going to be 19 minutes, I promise you. So some preachers make that promise, but generally they break the promise, don't they? You know, you cannot trust a preacher when he's talking about how quick or long his sermon's going to be. But Robin told me if I was still going at 1131, he would come up and disrupt this meeting. So, um, you know, during worship, I was just thinking, you know, sometimes I'm cranky. Sometimes I'm mean-spirited. Sometimes I'm less than generous. Sometimes I'm skeptical, cynical, unbelieving. And uh, when I get to be that way, after a while, I might start to believe that that's actually me. But the truth is, that's not really me. There's there's this other part um, that's sometimes hidden, but it's it's the real me. And it's, it's the me that God has actually designed me to be. So we're going to talk a little bit this morning about who we really are and who we are as a church in Christ this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, I'm just going to read real quickly from Matthew 13, 44, 45, and 46. This is the parable of the sower, and I'm going to start with this. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. All right. So, scripture's multifaceted. You could study it or you should study it for the rest of your life. There are many different angles that you can take some of these parables. I'm going to take this parable from a certain angle this morning Hopefully, it'll help you, it'll encourage you, it'll be a blessing to your heart today. I, I had this uh, thing yesterday, I, was, I woke up in the morning, I was feeling kind of discouraged, and I read this Graham Cook tweet, he said, you can't, you can't renew your mind until your heart is strengthened, and I just was so touched by that, because I realized that my, my heart was failing me yesterday morning, and so I just began to strengthen myself in the Lord yesterday. Just kind of like sometimes you get, you get muddied up in your mind and you get, you feel like you've got to work through things in your brain in order to figure things out. And sometimes that just sends you down that pit even further. And you find that you've got to start eating better food. You've got to strengthen your heart in the Lord. Amen. So, so I noticed that Yesterday especially, this, it wasn't just yesterday, but in, in times your life, your mind gets muddy and your eyes stop seeing and your ears stop hearing and you forget who you really are. Anybody with me on that? I tend to forget who I really am at times. and I become more conscious of lesser things. I get consumed by life until I have utterly lost my heart. And I've discovered this, that without my heart, I can't do anything. Without my heart, life's not possible. The Proverbs say that out of your heart flow all of the things of life, all of the things that are important to you as a human being flow from your heart. You know, there's some theologians and theologies that would say something like this, that your heart is wicked, it's not to be trusted. While that might be partly true on some 
part of your journey. It's not the ultimate truth. God created your heart to be the thing that you live from. And when your heart is redeemed, when it's under the blood of Christ, it's the very thing that God means you to live from. Amen? So, so fortunately, thankfully, we have each other in the body of Christ to encourage one another to go on in God and to bear one another's burdens. And thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit who empowers us to see and hear what the Spirit is saying. I have a friend who this week, um, she, she just experienced a devastating loss. And I was just, um, Amy and I were just walking through with her and some stuff. And, you know, it just, it dawned on me, you know, we need to be continually reminded about how much we need each other. You know, sometimes I have, I have to ask myself, why do I go to church every single week with these same, same people and do these same things over and over and over again? It's because we live in a world that's antagonistic towards the things that we're trying to do, the things that we're carrying, the things that the Lord means to do in and through us. We inhabit a world that is not necessarily going in that same direction. So when we come together, we can realign ourselves with the ways and the purposes of God. Amen. So we need to be with each other in that way. So, and part of that has to do with God's eternal purposes for you. Your, God, did you know that God has an eternal plan for your life? It says that in Ephesians 3, 3.11, that God has an eternal purpose. It's good to know that. It's good to know that there's actually a plan and a purpose for all of this that we're doing. Amen. So at some point in the history of the world, that purpose was a mystery. It wasn't known. It was hidden. Okay, that's according to Ephesians 3.9. The things of God, the plans of God for you and your life and for life in general were hidden away from the majority of people. Okay, but now, now these mysteries are no longer mysterious. These mysteries are no longer mysterious. Those eternal purposes are no longer hidden. All right? So God has a plan. He has a purpose. He, he had this plan before he created anything at all. There was a desire in his heart. He had a dream, a love dream in his heart. And that love dream, that desire that caused him to create the entire cosmos happens to be you. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way before, but before time began, before he did anything at all, he had an idea. And his idea was you. I mean, you could think about that for a few minutes and it could take you some places. You could think about God before time in perfect union with the trinities in this beautiful love relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And they're having a great time. And then somewhere along the line, they have an idea. And the idea is that they're going to form you in their image. The Bible says that. God said, hey, we should do this. Let's make them in our image. So do you know that when he first thought of creating you, 
Sin wasn't a part of that design. Sin nature wasn't a part of that design. Innocence was the original blueprints of when God thought of you. From the beginning of time, when you, when you, before you were knit together in your mother's womb, the blueprints that God thought up was you in total innocence, living in complete joy and in perfect peace. Oh, this is getting good. And I've only got 11 minutes left. <laughs> but now these mysteries are no longer mysterious. Those eternal purposes are no longer hidden. Why and how have these mysteries been made known? Check this out. This is mind-blowing. This is Ephesians 3.10. Because, here's why. The wisdom of God is being made known, is being revealed by who? By you. Listen, because the manifold wisdom, the various wisdoms of God is being made known or revealed by you, by you and I, by the church of Jesus Christ. I know I'm going real fast. I'm connecting a lot of dots. Hopefully you're with, with me this morning. Maybe you'll just get a little impartation and deposit and we'll go on with this later on, but I'm hoping you're catching this so far. Okay? So, so God has a plan. He's got an eternal purpose. You are that plan and that purpose. It was a mystery. It's no longer a mystery. Why? Because the mystery is being revealed by who? You and I. Are you with me so far? Kind of. All right. I know. It takes a while. Okay. So what is the wisdom of God that is being revealed by you and I? That you are the treasure in the field. What is the wisdom that is being revealed by you and I? That you are the treasure in the field. Just let that soak for 15 seconds, okay? Say that to yourself. I am the treasure in the field. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. You and I and the whole world are the treasure in the field. And what did the person who saw the treasure in the field do? He hid it back in the field. He went and in great joy sold everything he had so that he could what? Buy the field and purchase the field. Was the, was the treasure already valuable? It was already valuable, wasn't it? It already was so valuable that that person who saw the treasure sold everything else. He gave everything up that he had to get the thing. The thing already had all the value that it could already have. The man selling everything he had proved the value of the thing in the field. It didn't give it value, but it proved the value. So that the world and everything and everyone in it is 
intrinsically so valuable that Jesus gave his life so that you could understand and comprehend and feel how valuable you are. Let me say that again. That the world and everything and everyone in it is so intrinsically valuable that Jesus gave his life so that you could understand, comprehend, and feel how valuable you really are. That you would know apart from intellectual knowledge how loved you are. See, Paul goes on to say in, in Ephesians 3, it's, it's, there's, there's this thing about knowing the love of God that's passing knowledge. Okay, what was I getting stuck upon earlier when I was talking? My mind was getting muddied up. I was getting, I was getting, I was losing heart. I was, I was stumbling through my life because I was trying to figure things out by knowledge. And Paul's saying that the manifold wisdom of God is not revealed through knowledge. It's revealed when you and I are carrying the love of God, comprehending the love of God in such a way that that value is expressed in and through our lives to the degree that the people that we're walking among in our lives are actually seeing that value and seeing their own value as well. Here's the thing. God doesn't endure you. He treasures you. He didn't save you to endure you. He saves you because he treasures you. You are the dream of his heart. You are the original idea, the plan that he had even before time began. And you were the treasure and valued before you were saved. You were fully treasured and valued before you came to the saving knowledge of grace. That's a lot different than what we hear sometimes, right? We hear, get saved and then you'll be loved. Come to Jesus and then you'll be loved. Come to Jesus and then you'll be acceptable. Come to Jesus and then, and then, and then. But that's not what the scripture teaches. The scripture teaches while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why did he die for us? Because he found the treasure in the field and he went and did everything he could to lay claim to it. Jesus' claim on your life, on the life of every single person in the world, far surpasses darkness' claim. The cross didn't give you value. The cross is the proof of how valuable you are. Let me say that again. The cross didn't give you value. The cross is the proof of how valuable you are. You are the handiwork of God made in his image and likeness. You were born into a world consumed by sin consciousness, but that is no longer your inheritance. You were redeemed back to your original innocent state. When God redeemed you, he just didn't like give you part of a good nature and then you still got this other sin nature that you're dealing with. He actually brought you back fully into the garden before the fall, before any of that other stuff came into being. Redemption 
is complete. Before God, you are totally innocent. You are totally reconciled. There is no longer any other conversation being had among the Trinity about your state. You have been brought into the love relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are fully embraced right now in your redeemed state. And all of the struggles, all of the contradictions that you may face in that life, those, this life, those are just opportunities for your faith to grow. Those are just places for you that you get to discover the goodness of God more and more in your life. All right, let me wrap this up. The original blueprint for you and me, the original design God designed us with was for innocence and joy. So in your redemption, you better believe that God took you all the way back to your full innocence. He didn't redeem you into a life of sin management and behavior modification. He redeemed you into the only life available for redeemed creatures in a redeemed creation. You know... You were created to walk with God. Every single person. There's not an unspiritual person in this room. You may have thought that about yourself, but it's not true. Your original design is to walk in the garden in the cool of the day with your creator. That's all. Any deviation apart from that in your life or in your mind, it's, it's, it's just lies that we're believing about the truth. Like, we just got to get over those lies. And we just got to start walking with God in the cool of the day. It's so easy. You just do it. You just get up in the morning and you're with God in full, total communion. I got one minute left. He redeemed you into a life of discovery and exploration. And where do we explore? We explore all of Ephesians 3.18. The width, the length, the depth the height, the width, the length, the depth, the height. That is just an invitation into the realm of God to experience the fullness of God because in your exploration and discovery of those things, guess what Ephesians 3.19 says? That you will be filled with the fullness of God. That is your inheritance. That's what you were created for. That's the only thing God had in mind for you in the very beginning, to fill you with fullness, to fill you with his fullness. That's a crazy thought, isn't it? That, that the God of the universe is indwelling in you and I and that we are in him. Amen? Whew. Man, this is so good. Too bad it's only 15 minutes. (laughs) Okay, so let me end it with this. If you ever wanted to know what God's desire is for your life, what plan he has for your life, it is found in Ephesians 3.19, that you may be filled with the the fullness of God. Separation, lack, disappointment, discouragement, all those things that we come that come against us in life. It's not to say that they're not real. It's not to say that we don't go through times of discouragement, through times of, of contradiction. You know, when we were singing Bethany's song this morning, you are so good. You are so good. I was just, I was chuckling to myself because 
Sometimes I have to sing that in faith or I have to make myself sing that about the Lord. But, but in reality, if I can't see that about God at all times, it's just because something has come over my eyes and I need you guys to come alongside me and encourage me. I need you just to come alongside me and, and remind me of who I really am, of who I was created to be. And that's what we get to do for one another. Amen? Because we are the manifold wisdom of God expressed to the powers and principalities of this age. Amen? All right, 1131, I broke the rules, so why don't we stand up together? We can pray. Yeah, you got it. That was a really, really good word, Andy. Come on. Just a couple of, couple of thoughts. Um, if you're the treasure in the field, then you're treasured. If you're the treasure in the field, then you're treasured. I think that's important. Let's say that together. I'm treasured. I'm treasured. John called believers the Beloved. Beloved. So if you're beloved, your job is to be, be loved. And I'm sure Andy will get to this at another point, but the key to all the fullness of God that he mentioned is to know the love of God at that level. It really is the key, according to, to Paul. Um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. What Andy was this morning was a witness. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight. That's what Andy was doing, laying aside weights. The sin which so easily tries to ensnare us and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Doing what? Looking unto Jesus. So what does that mean? It's looking unto this person and what he did for us. Looking unto Jesus. Then it says, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. See, the Bible says that man with joy sold all that he had and purchased the field. For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, great word. A friend of mine said, there's no such thing as a bad short message. But this was exceptional. <laughs> but you did go over. We'll talk about that later, Andy. I'm sorry. But, uh... All right. We have ministry teams today. For those of you who would like prayer.